Hello and welcome to a debrief for the 28th of June 2021. Why a debrief? Well, today I would incomplete the signing of Christian Ramirez from Houston Dynamo in the MLS. So we could have browsed a couple of YouTube videos, scoured his Wikipedia profile to bring you some half-baked opinions of our own on him. Uh, but you know us, we like to speak to people that know what they're talking about, uh, mainly cover for our own deficiencies, but also to bring you something a little bit more. So we spoke to Bruce McGuire, a man who's uh, followed Christian's career through his uh, time at uh, the club that Bruce holds dear, uh, Minnesota United, uh, and subsequently in his moves around the MLS to get some insight on our new signing. Bruce, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome, Richard. It's great to talk to you. He's moved about a bit in the last few years within the MLS. He went from Minnesota to LA and then over to Houston most recently. Now, his spells at uh, LA and Houston probably didn't see him as a first-team regular, but uh, his time at Minnesota, he's really fondly remembered there. He, he joined the club before even they became uh, an expansion MLS team in uh, 2017. I guess... You know, being amongst that first group, that uh, first group of players that made the step up, he was always going to be fondly remembered for that. But his performances have meant that uh, he's still thought of fondly uh, up there in Minnesota. He he definitely is. Uh, one of the most ironic things is since he left here, mainly because of COVID, he's never gotten to come back and play here. And Houston was going to be playing here fairly soon, and now he has left Houston, so he still hasn't made his return to Minnesota. But even being a team from the opposition, when he stepped into that stadium in Minnesota, and hopefully he will do that again someday, he's going to get a huge, huge round of applause, even though he'll be on an opposite team. So what was it about his playing style, about the way he adapted to life, because uh, obviously he's a Californian native, about the way he adapted to life up in Minnesota? What was it about Christian as a person, as a footballer, that really endears him to the fans up there? Well, I first saw him in the preseason, and he had been brought in as the second striker. They had signed a veteran second division striker named Pablo Campos, a Brazilian who had a reputation around the league as just being every single year that... 15 goals you could count on it and before the season even started uh, Pablo Campos blew out his knee and wasn't available and now they're stuck with a very young kid who had only played maybe a year and a half as a professional and they didn't really know and I, I got the pleasure to see him at a preseason it wasn't a practice but it wasn't training and it, it wasn't a friendly it was somewhere kind of in between they were playing against like some college kids and things like that it's something we would refer to as a scrimmage and as soon as he came in i didn't know much about him except his name and his reputation he just had a certain determination you could see it instantly when the ball came to his feet he knew what he was going to do he knew he his role was to turn and go to goal and that's what he did for the next several years every time he got the ball his only eye is go to goal whether that's with a shot, whether that's with a pass, whether that's getting himself into the right position. It never really mattered what was going on with the rest of the field. His goal was to put that ball in the back of the net. And in the next couple of seasons, uh, at that time, like you said, Minnesota was in the second division. He scored, I think, 50 goals. He, you know, he, he really, really caught everyone by surprise, took the whole league by storm. 
and and became a, a cult figure for for the team. There was a one game in particular that that put it all over the edge, and that was there was a friendly here in the city between Olympiacos and Manchester City. And those teams were kind of on their summer preseason tour of the United States. And the promoter of the game um, put a double header together because Minnesota United had a home game that day. And so they both played one after the other. Olympiacos and Manchester City played first, and then Minnesota played uh, in the second game of the day. In the build-up to that, he had a, a, a real connection on the field with another player, kind of a number 10, named Miguel Ibarra. And somewhere along the line, I had gotten the idea to start referring to them as Batman and Superman. I had this long, lifelong thing of, of comic books I'd always loved, and there had at one point been a series of comic books where they fought each other. It was Batman versus Superman. And, and I always got a kick out of it, and for some reason, I just decided to start naming them Christian Ramirez was Superman and Miguel Ibarra was Batman. And they lit up the field that night, and when it was over, they came down to the supporters' end of the stadium, and they took off their uniform shirts, and they were wearing Batman and Superman shirts underneath <laughs> their uniforms. Well, I've got to say, one of my questions was going to be, uh, where did the Superman nickname come from? Little did I know that I was speaking to the guy that made it happen. Um... <laughs> Isn't that strange? Yeah, it's, it's kind of unbelievable. I mean, we've all called players things as fans, you know, during our life. We nickname people things, and... For some reason, that's stuck. So, I mean, that's that's a great way for Christian, obviously, to, you know, beyond scoring the goals, but to create the bond with the support, which is clearly evident because, I, you know, I look through his social media feed today and I can see there's still so many fans of Minnesota United who are wishing him well in his next step. Four years after he left, that says a great deal. He responds to a lot of those people, too, on social media, and that's, a, that's another thing that connects a player to a fan base is, is when you... You know he's not he's not really outgoing, but he has a, always has a big smile and he always has hello for people and and things like that. He's not the one to step into the limelight and make a big deal of it, but he's he's so nice and he's so friendly. Um, he comes from a nice family. He has a nice family of his own, and and like I said, there's there's just a lot of smiles all around, no matter what he's doing. You know, even when things are going rough, he will stop. And he will take the time, and those things can last forever if you do them correctly. That goal-scoring burst that he had pre-MLS, that continued in his first season uh, at the top level. Um, now, I'm really interested to hear you say that he was someone who whose only thought was to, was to score goals, because we've been hearing a lot um, about him recently, and it, it's about how he's an excellent hold-up player. He brings other people into the game, and that maybe possibly explains the lack of goals in the last couple of seasons. You know, what kind of striker would you describe him as, you know, now? And has he changed from, from those early years in Minnesota? It's always hard to know because we're never at training. We're never in the locker room, in the dressing room. We don't know what what the manager is asking of him and telling him. Um, but I, I agree with you. We have definitely seen his goal tally uh, drop. Um you know, he, when Minnesota made the move to MLS, they brought in two or three more strikers, and there was a new manager, and the new manager brought them in, and he gave them 
the first chance before Christian got his chance. And even though he was beloved by the fans, the you know how managers are, they have their favorites. If they bring somebody in, that's the one they're going to give the shot to. And so Christian Ramirez immediately was kind of second fiddle and, and befitting of who he is, the very first game in MLS was away to Portland, which is a notorious place to go play. Um, they have probably the most rabid fans in all of Major League Soccer and all of American soccer. And they went out there and they were losing 3 nothing. They were looking just so un unconnected and, and, and uninspired. I can't say uninspired because they were all excited to be in a new division and, and all those things. And they had, you know, used these other strikers who had done nothing. Finally, 75th minute or something, the manager finally puts Christian Ramirez in. And with his first or second touch, he's at the top of the 18 and he receives his, the pass with his back to goal. And he just spins the defender and hammers the shot. And it's into the goal. And now it's 3-1 and you could just see the whole team come to life. And it was game on. That's just him in a nutshell. His, his whole thing is give me the ball, climb on my back, and I will do whatever I can to get us back in this game. Over the next couple of years, though, I watched that drain out of him. You say you watched that happen in front of you. Was that just a case of managers not uh, not treating him as first choice? or I think it's a combination of not his first choice and also not as the player he was. We often see managers say, well, this is how I want my team to play, and I don't know about you, Richard, but I've always felt if the manager comes in, he should put all of his best players in their in their best positions and use their best skills. Where a lot of managers want to run the entire show, and they say, "No, this is the we're doing it my way. It doesn't matter who you are as the player. We're doing it my way, so you fit my roles that I'm laying out." And and I think that's where Christian started to struggle. Does that uh, imply a, a very individualistic streak in him or? I wouldn't say that because I, you know, he's, he's a classic number nine and okay. look at how many classic number nines have been put in a position. You know, if a team plays a four, three, three, they put them on the left side or they put them on the right side. There's times when managers need to mix things up to try and spark a team or to try and move something. But to me, a number nine should be a number nine. There's some players that are better wide some players better in the center, some players better further away from goal. He's not one of those. He's a number nine. He should be in the middle. And, you know, it, it happens. It happens to many, many, many players who are maybe not the elite. Because I, I don't want to fool anyone and say he's an elite number nine striker yeah. because we know who those are in the world. He's not Ruud van Nistelrooy. No, I mean, no, he, he wouldn't be anywhere near Aberdeen if he was. So let, let's, you know, we're well yeah. aware of our of our place in the football firmament. I, I just, you know, he's he's clearly, as you say, someone who, who should be the focal point of the attack. And that, I, I believe almost certainly that will be the plans on how Stephen Glass plans to use him this season. In a 4-2-3-1, very much as the focal point. So we know he's quite well built. He's six foot two. He's clearly quite powerful. Penalty box striker, would you say? Or absolutely, he, he's uh -huh. a good old. You know, he, he's he's in the right place at the right time. He can be a poacher one minute. He can be a sniper the next minute. Um, he has good movement, front post, back post. He he just wants to put his nose in there 
and and do whatever it takes to get that goal whether it's ugly or pretty he doesn't really care <laughs> in the classic tradition of goal scorers absolutely um yeah i think so i mean it's 2018 uh, that he was traded off to the West Coast, off to LA. Was that a case of him losing his place at Minnesota or, or was it a case of LA wanting Christian specifically? It was both. Los Angeles had had some bad injuries and they were desperate and they had just played Minnesota and he had come on again uh, as a substitute and really did some damage to them. And and their coach, the, the manager in L.A. is a guy named Bob Bradley who's been around American soccer for a long time and knows the players well. He's got a very good eye. And he saw Christian as somebody who could help them in their time of, of need when they had so many players injured. And so he was not brought to Los Angeles to be the star, to be the driver of the ship. He was brought there to fill in their holes because the Minnesota manager and the coaching staff just didn't rate him. Now, just finally, uh, Bruce, he's been spoken about uh, very often in dispatches here as the U.S. internationalist, and and that's true. He has a couple of uh, U.S. caps, but I think it's fair to say these were these were kind of off-season uh, friendly matches, weren't they, where the squads were probably missing a lot of the European-based players. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that's com- that's exactly who he was in the international field. He... Uh, his teammate, who I mentioned previously, Miguel Ibarra, was a classic number 10. And they didn't get called into the U.S. roster at the same time, but they both did within a year or two of each other. And it was by the, the then uh, U.S. national team manager, Jurgen Klinsmann, who was searching high and low for players. Uh, he, he's the kind of guy that likes to turn over rocks and find something underneath them. And so he gave a lot of players that opportunity. And there's an awful lot of people from that time that got one to five caps. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that, um, that Batman and Superman were reunited at least briefly, uh, in the international camps, if maybe not <laughs> on the pitch. Um, but no, that's a lovely story. And uh, it's great to get the, um, the origin story basically of Superman, uh, from you, Bruce. So, um, he's hoping that Christian can rediscover some of that, uh, early Minnesota mojo, um, at Pataudry. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Oh, you're very welcome. I enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs>